Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, let's get right back to the phones. Joining us, as he does every week at 10 o'clock, one of our favorite contributors, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well. I suppose you're just sitting around. You don't have anything going on today, do you? No, it's a very nice, calm Saturday, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, uh, well, I have you have... Right now, I'm going on uh, about a stretch of almost 40 hours of no sleep. But, Terry, there's nothing better uh, to, to have that sleep deprivation than what I'm doing right now. I'm at Grand Lake. We're at Ice Addiction, so it's our first tournament of the season. Um, and we couldn't be happier. You know, it was it was a long stretch of up and goes getting permits and, and following regulations to, to pull off a tournament series. And uh, we've worked with some amazing people at, at the County health department and town districts and, you know, town of grand Lake. Um, and, and we are having a great time up here at grand Lake. And it's really neat to see everybody supporting the town. Oh, it really is. They need it up there. They had the fires and it's just been, a, and not only COVID, but the fires and everything impact them. And it's such a tremendous area. Obviously one of my favorite ice fishing areas and open water fishing areas in the state. Many of my TV shows have been filmed up in that area. So how are things going? And you're kind of doing it different. You're not really in the lake. Everybody thinks Grand Lake. They think lake trout. I don't know. Maybe you're catching lake trout, but you're kind of in an area where maybe the other trout are coming in to play more. Absolutely, Terry. So we're at the far kind of east end of the lake, right by an inlet, uh, and we're seeing everything. Our shallowest holes are in five feet of water. Our deepest holes are in the 100-foot um, mark. So we're seeing everything. So far today, we have seen lake trout. We have seen rainbows. We've seen browns, and we've seen brook trout. Uh, so we've seen all four species, uh, quite a few of each. Right now, it is a small lake trout that is in the, in the lead at first place, uh, but a lot of fish are getting caught. It, it's been light snowing uh it's about 2 a.m the sun's just peeking out but but fishing's good and everybody's having a great time uh so, so it's exciting and it is neat to see the different tactics of you know some anglers are sticking to their their traditions uh, of targeting you know only one species in one depth some anglers are, are kind of bouncing around um some are in deep water working the column and honestly usually we see a very distinct pattern where, you know, one area of the fishing course will produce fish or one depth. You get that zone that's just hot. And right now we're seeing fish from everywhere. We're seeing shallow water fish, deep water fish, suspended fish. Um, so a lot of activity across the board, which is pretty cool to see in an event like this. Any, uh, any techniques that um, you want to share that maybe people come up after the tournament? Cause I'm sure the people up there aren't listening. So, we can we can spill the beans. We can spill the beans a little bit. Anything that if you were going to return to say Grand Lake in that area in the next couple of weeks, that you might suggest? Absolutely. So it seems like the shallow water fish being more say aggressive so having more movement to your presentation in the shallow water definitely seems to be drawing them in uh and that's fairly common in that shallower water the fish or the water is clear the fish can see a good distance there's a lot of light penetration through the ice so the shallow water anglers that are that are working the baits jigging them moving them really bouncing around are drawing in more fish and having that that good experience of opportunity as opposed to the deep water fish the anglers that are really fishing a still presentation um even if you're moving 
it, they're moving it very subtle, and they're also moving it very low in the water column. Um, and those anglers are doing well. Then the anglers that are catching them suspended um, are, are up high, you know, middle of the water column, and they're moving the bait, you know, fairly aggressive. So shallow water and suspended, it's all about a lot of movement so far today. And then if you're in the deeper water, uh, fishing literally inches off bottom with a very slow presentation or still presentation um, is catching fish. And we're seeing everything from literally the use of, of fishing salmon eggs, um, you know, in deep water near the bottom, all the way up to, you know, fishing even tube jigs near the small piece of second meat, but barely moving it. So very minimal movement in that deeper water is catching those fish. Um, with a lot of the weather coming through, snow, barometric pressure, um, I would say the bite is, is slightly lighter. We're seeing a lot of anglers, uh, you know, swinging and missing. So it seems like it's a light bite, uh, which is fairly common when you get around a lot of pressure changes and obviously even just the pressure from a tournament. Um, so the biggest thing is to, to anglers on the course or anybody up here, most anglers have opportunities when they go on the ice. Uh, and really the nothing better than a tournament setting to teach you to try to capitalize on every opportunity. So especially when you're fishing low in the water column, barely moving the bait, um, it gets easy to lose attention, you know, to where you start looking around, enjoying the scenery, talking to a friend. Um, and really, if, if you're all about catching fish, really keeping your focus uh, to make the most of every opportunity is a huge way to create success. I know when I fish with you, I constantly try to distract you so you miss the bite. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the truth. Dist- of the distraction is a, is a very great tool. Oh, I've used it many times. <laughs> hey, um, how is the ice up on Grand Lake? You know, right now, uh, we're obviously sitting very close to the Adams porthole or the Adams Falls with the porthole coming in right there. There's a little bit of water by the porthole. Uh, there's open water by the bridge separating Grand from Shadow. But other than that, the entire lake's capped. And we're sitting probably between 10 and 12 inches of ice, depending on where you're at on the fishery. Um, so, again, you know, very much... 80, 90% capped with 10 to 12 inches of great ice. You know, people are riding snowmobiles on it. You just always got to be cautious. And that's not really this year. That's not really even uh, typical. There's always water by, by the tunnel here on, on the east side. There's just a small pocket. And there's always water right at the channel separating Shadow Mountain and Grand. But other than those two locations that are almost always open water, uh, the entire lake is capped and fishing good. And we're seeing anglers all across the lake today catching fish, uh, which is nice to see. I can see anglers on the far end of the reservoir um and everybody fishing a variety of depths but but fishing definitely seems to be good and and it's always that opportunity here at grand to to go real shallow for more of those rainbows browns or go obviously to that deeper water for those lake trout and the primary food source for the the average laker and you know that average laker obviously being you know somewhat smaller fish um this lake has a huge population of micey shrimp and those micey shrimp really gather where you have a lot of pressure and that pressure buildup comes in that deeper water so they actually use the pressure in the water column to really gather those micey um so right now it seems like it's that 60 to 90 foot is where those micey shrimp are just thick so we're seeing a lot of those you know just fun catchable lakers um in that depth so you know any advice to somebody especially on grand you know, rainbows, browns, I'd probably be inside of 10 foot, so 10 foot and shallower. If I'm really looking just for good numbers of lake trout, uh, I'm going to look at that like 60 to 90 foot. Uh, and those are kind of the two depth ranges that are really producing fish today. Before we get back to your other events coming up and your guide trips and schools, what else have you heard ice fishing wise, either through your guides or just through other people that's going on around the state? 
Absolutely, Terry. Now, I uh, I unfortunately had to leave Friday to come up here to Grand Lake to set up, um, so I'm relying off a lot of information from other anglers, but the wind definitely took a toll on some of the ice on the front range. Um, the biggest thing that you saw is is really anywhere where the wind was, was really pounding on that ice. So in the case of the direction that it was coming from, it was kind of coming from that, that west-northwest. So any of your reservoirs, the ice on that half of the lake, so your western edges of ice, didn't have near the impact that, say, your east edges of the lake did. So the biggest thing is is the heavy winds this week did did hit the ice fairly hard on the front range. Uh, by no means did I say it ruined the season, but, but it definitely did have some impact on it. So the biggest thing on the front range is use caution. Obviously, we've been preaching that for weeks on end now, uh, but the walleye bite on the front range is tremendous. But just, again, use caution in all situations. Uh, Terry, you and I preach it all the time, and a lot of anglers know it. Some don't know it, but the worst thing for ice, generally speaking, is that heavy wind. Uh, wind drinks, you know, you get sun like we had, you get wind pushing on it, create that moisture on top and that wind just drives that moisture into the ice uh and it's unbelievable how how quickly you can lose some ice so again the front range is still capped but but use extreme caution but that walleye bite is good and that's probably the biggest news on the front range for that uh then other than that the lake trout bite continues to be really strong across the state we're getting great reports from blue mesa from taylor from williamsport granby uh so it seems like it's a really strong year for bigger lake trout uh and the pike bite continues we talked about this about a month ago uh, um, ice pike is one of those things that it takes a knack. They drastically slow down their food intake. Um, they stare at a bait for an extremely long period of time before taking the bait. Uh, so pike through the ice is a whole animal in itself. But with that, the, the pike bite in Colorado is very strong this year. So it's a great year uh, for anglers to get out and explore that avenue of fish here in Colorado. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think I want to I wanna really – reinforce what you said about the front range because uh, I'm hearing places like St. Borain uh, that the wind really opened up the water. They're actually catching some fish through open water there. Bar Lake has some open water fishing, not very good ice. You know, Cherry Creek and Chatfield are bigger, a little slow to freeze, but a little, they'll hold the ice a little better. I haven't heard a report from Boyd. I'll try to get one. I heard they were fishing the Marina Bay there, but I haven't heard much else. Catching yep. some trout and panfish, but... Uh, it's definitely a time to be extremely cautious. Nate, before we finish up, tell people now what's coming up on your ice fishing tournament tour. Absolutely. You know, we're real excited. Last week we had our ice school. We had a lot of live feeds. Obviously, we're in Grand Lake now. We're going to post a recap. So right here today, we're going to have a recap with our winner of how the event went. And then we're going to do a live feed early in the week on Monday, really covering the event, how things went, how anglers caught fish, uh, do a lot of neat things with that. So stay tuned on our social media pages for that. And then next week, we're, we head to Utah. So we're at Steinecker Reservoir in Utah. Anybody wants to make the trick, it, you know, it's, it's basically a six-hour drive from Denver. Uh, really excited to go there. We're expecting probably our highest uh, catch rate event of any any event we've ever had. Uh, we've worked with our, our DNR agencies up there. And the DWR is estimating that we'll weigh right around 500 fish in that event next weekend. So real excited to head to Utah. Then we have a small break. We go back to Utah on February 6th, and then we wrap up the entire Ice Addiction Series back here at Grand Lake. Uh, back into our central location on the body of water right by town. That's February 20th. Uh, we encourage anglers. This is a great
great way to learn, see things. You loan your rods if you need. Uh, it's, it's a really neat event. We encourage everybody. We're being extremely safe, uh, very sanitized, and, and encouraging. Or sign up. And if you do, make sure you get your reservation in town now. Obviously, we're supporting town, uh, but hotels are booking fast. If you want to come to Grand Lake, make a reservation, stay the night, make it a weekend, have fun. Um, you have Grand Lake, you have Shadow Mountain, you have Granby. Uh, so a lot of fisheries up here. Again, make it a weekend, but uh, make sure you book that reservation and grab your ticket for ice addiction uh, sooner than later just to make sure you get that spot reserved. All right, my friend, if people want to sign up for a tournament or book a guide trip or just want some information, how do they find you? You can always find us on the web at tightlineoutdoors.com, as well as we do a lot of stuff on our social media pages, but Tightline Outdoors on Facebook is another great avenue for a lot of information. So Tightline Outdoors on Facebook and tightlineoutdoors.com on the web. All right, we will talk to you next week at 10 o'clock as always. Good luck on the rest of the we'll tournament to today. Thank All right, you. Nate Zielinski, Nate what a great resource he is for the show. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, um, we're going to go to our friends over at Jack's, and they're going to join us and talk about what they have in stock. And you heard JR talk about his impressions of ice fishing. You heard Nate on the tournament. We'll help you if you need to pick out gear and maybe get you started in ice fishing. All that and more, and more on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know it's not like that. There's my old hometown buddy, Robert Zimmerman. You folks know him as Bob Dylan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Speaking of Jack's Outdoors, let's go right to the phone. And joining us from the Jack's store in Lafayette is Mike Krieger. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Terry. Pleasure to be here. It's up. Oh, it's great to have you on. You know, we've been talking the last two segments. We talked a lot of ice fishing. We had uh, we had Jr. on from Colorado Clays. He's kind of new to ice fishing. We talked about his experience and the type of gear he thought he would need. We talked about the tournament going on at Grand Lake and different techniques and bites that are going around the state. But you know, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of people getting into ice fishing for the first time this year. We're also mm-hmm. seeing. A lot of people getting back to ice fishing. So is Jack set up to help these people really get started the right way? We really are. We've got a lot of the, you know, the jigs that sort of have, we've got, we get to do the whole thing. We've got the jig heads, the, the live bait, um, shacks, the electronics, rods, reels. Yeah. Well, let's go, yeah, let's go through some of that and different things. First of all, one of the things I have always told uh, ice anglers and I tell this to fly fishermen, too, is the first time you go, maybe before you even buy some gear, if you can go with a friend or a guided trip, somebody knowledgeable, not somebody who just is trying it out, too. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go if that's who you're with and have a good time. But if you really want to learn, go with an experienced ice angler or go on a guided trip, and you're going to find out the nuances are probably different than you think. I mean, let's go to rods and reels. Um, so I walk in. I'm brand new. I uh, I don't have any idea what to do for a rod and reel. What are you going to recommend to me? Well, first thing I'll, I'll usually ask you is, you know, how serious a person are you? Do you want to just experiment with it, or are you uh, you going to commit to it? Because that lets me know, do you want a reel that just has one bearing that will get you through a couple of seasons to, you know, reveal your passion for it or lack thereof? Or if you if you want to buy quality right off the bat, and that just sort of steals the deal. Because when you're working with quality, you get what you pay for, and it's just going to serve you well for season after season after season. 
So what do I have to pay to get an ice fishing rod or ice fishing rod and reel combo? You can use your summer reels, but what am I looking for at cost there? Pretty much if, uh, the lower end, the one-bearing rod with a one-bearing reel with a, a decent enough rod is going to run you probably 15 to 20 bucks, And, that'll again, that will work. And then we go clear up to probably $50 for a combo. And then after that, you can step up to a Fenwick or a St. Croix rod that, you know, can cost you 45 to $60 just for the rod. And then reel-wise, we have uh, you can spend up to probably 50 to $75 just for the reel, which is why I like to sort of push people for the – I tend to say, okay, buy one that fits what your interest level is, and then if you get hooked, then you want to, you know, I'm not an upsell kind of guy, but then you can go ahead and buy something that's going to last longer, and then, you know, take somebody with you and then give them that the cost-effective, better-known cheap setup to, uh, you know, get them sort of hooked. But to your point, having going with somebody that knows what they're doing, that just ensures you're going to like it a lot more because they're going to have, you know, blankets in their sled. They're going to have a sled. They're going to have an auger. They'll have all the stuff that you know beginners going to maybe not not know about. Well, let's talk a little bit about what uh, beginners should do. Um, one of the tools, especially if you're going to fish on the front range, but anywhere that almost everybody who contributes to the show tells people to start with, and that's a spud bar. Using a spud bar mm-hmm. to check the ice is just one of the best safety tools. Do you sell spud bars at Jacks? We do, and uh, we have right now we have two left, so. Um, I'm sure the, the different jacks up and down the front range, we're getting, we're sort of in the middle of the season, it feels like. So we're, we're looking at the bottom end of our inventory. So it's, it's one of those things that if you like to fish early and late in the season, you know, when there's maybe three to five inches, that, that scares me. But uh, spud bars make it, they just give you self-assurance. It's like, okay, if you smack that ice and it cracks, like, okay, let's go somewhere else. Um, just keeps you safe. When you can tell if it's, honeycomb bad ice or if it's good clear ice in fact um, if you want to see the um, use of the spud bar to check the ice i've got several ice fishing videos on my uh, youtube channel the best of fishing with terry wickstrom and one i did up at north michigan reservoir it actually shows the honeycombed ice and then it shows uh the clear ice that frozen afterwards and it shows me checking it and the differences and really how to use that spud bar that to me is and you know when you got thin ice uh, maybe three, four inches, you don't necessarily even have to have an auger. You can check your ice with it, and it's very easy if you have a sharp spud bar to chisel your hole, and you keep you keep down what you want to carry. But you do, obviously, unless you're going to hop around and fish holes that other people have abandoned, you need a way to make a hole. And I think that's where a lot of people look and they go, boy, do I want to spend you know, a few hundred dollars and get the top-end power auger? Can I get by with a hand auger? Um, I think if you're fishing mostly the front range, you can probably get by with a hand auger. But if you're going to go up in the mountains and fish for lake trout, you might want to invest in a power auger. What kind of selection do you have there, and how do you advise people on the augers? So I usually tell people when they're just starting out, um, I, I, like I started myself with a six-foot manual. And uh, the, the key there is with manual augers, just keep the blades sharp. Uh, that makes all the difference in the world, whether you're, you know, shaving out some, some shaved ice or if you're just there for 20 minutes working on <laughs> the same hole. Um, but we have the, the manual augers we have run from, uh, like, I think it's like $60 for the 6-inch one and then about uh, just shy of 100 for the 8-inch one. But then we also have uh, Eskimo came up with a high-compression propane one that, uh, I mean, it just you screw on your little propane tank, the little kind for your uh, camping stove, 
And those are the HC40s, like $449. And you can just drill holes. I don't know how many holes you can get on one tank, uh, but, you, you know, it's a lot easier than the manual auger. I've, I've been known to drill through 20 inches of ice with my manual 6 on the 11 mile, and that, that wears your arms out after a while. Um, you know, then you don't have the arm strength to hand some of those Lakers. But uh, then we also have the Ion, which is an electric um, auger. It's an 8-inch. It's also four forty nine ninety nine. But what I, I bought last year was a, Eskimo came up with these pistol bits, which are super lightweight. Um, and then I bought the 8-inch eight, the one. It was $200. And we also carry the 6, which is 169 But you just pair that up with a, a, a pretty serious drill. And uh, I can usually get 70 holes on one battery. Uh, and that's, and that's those, a game changer. Those ones that you use an electric drill, you can buy, you can take half the money you would spend on an auger and invest it in something as a tool you could use year-round. But they, I was using one of those um, types, I don't remember what brand it was, from somebody else earlier this year. And the electrics, and especially the ones you can add a drill to, just lightweight, and they really cut holes, don't they? They do. I mean, I've, uh, I think the most I've ever cut in one day is about 50, and I can just go clear across the lake. I get back to my first hole, and I use a little jaw jacker. Those are awesome as well. So I'll set a jaw jacker up in my first hole, then go drill in a whole bunch, and my arms are still fresh. I mean, I'm just pushing down, and, the, you know, that pistol is so amazingly light. You're not really manhandling it. It just sort of does it for you. So it just, just added a whole layer of ease to it. Now, if you really want to enjoy ice fishing and have the success that it can bring, if you're going to get into it, eventually you want to invest in electronics. Uh, we don't have time to go through a class in electronics, but by the way, that same <laughs> video I did, on, I did on North Michigan Reservoir, I actually take mm -hmm. a Lowrance unit, I fish with it, I had a chip in there, then I get back to my office, I take that chip out, put it on the computer, and I do a detailed explanation of this is a fish on the bottom, here's how it's reacting to my lure. And I've done the same thing with flashers in a place like Glendo. All that's on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But electronics can just, it upgrades your experience. What do you carry for electronics at Jax? Uh, the electronics, we carry the Humminbirds. Uh, we carry some of the new Garmin ones, which are interesting because they, they can give you, like, the waypoints. So if you're on, let's say you're on Antero and you find a hot spot, you can sort of mark that one. So next time you come there, you can just walk right out to it. And uh, so anyway, the, the that those are game changers. I mean, and I even myself, I've been you know I sell fishing gear, but I, I had one more game changer per year. Last year it was the the auger. This next year I'll get a, a fish finder, and one of I can't remember which YouTube channel it was. They say it's like playing a video game. You can see the fish come up to it, which puts you on high alert. You know, then you're ready to go, and then <laughs> you feel when the fish commits, and then you can set the hook and, and of course reel them reel them up. Now, the last question before we run out of time is uh, lures. If I need lures or bait, I come into a jack store, am I going to have to spend an arm and a leg to get a whole new set of jigs and spoons, and do you carry live bait? We do carry live bait. Uh, we have typically, the, right now I just scooped out the last dozen minnows, so we got slammed last night. But we carry uh, uh, the shiners, medium and large, and we also have the fatheads in the minnow tank. Then we also have... Uh, spikes which is a fancy word for uh, maggots we have the wax worms uh the mealworms and then we also have the regular earthworms during the summer it's mostly just all night crawlers and now if i want to buy some go ahead oh go ahead oh, okay the, no, i was, uh, gonna, I was gonna yeah see so and no, then you... we also have uh frozen uh, 
frozen uh, sucker meat if you're going for lake trout and stuff for the bottom of the lakes. But the, as far as lures go, you can, you can get away. We have a couple of different, uh, like Eagle Claw ice fishing kits. They're anywhere from 350 to 9 bucks, And they have, uh, you know, little nippers in there, a couple of jig heads. Really, all you need is a couple of jig heads and a, you know, a wax worm or a mealworm or some sort of worm. And you put that about six inches off the bottom, wherever you are, and, you know, you're game on. You're, you're in the, in the, ready to catch anything zooming by. Now, the last thing I have for you, we have partnered with you guys and T-Mobile because T-Mobile is putting towers all over in rural Colorado because people are more and more using their phones. Before I let you go, um, is the T-Mobile truck, isn't it? It was by you guys yesterday. Do you know where the T-Mobile truck, what jacks it's at today? I don't know. I did see them yesterday. They were in our parking lot. That was sort of fun. It was a beautiful day. I think they're at at your farm and ranch store. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, they're across South Boulder Road. Yeah. So, yeah, so come out and check them out. All right. We got to let you go, Mike, but thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Terry, thanks so much for having me. This is a blast. All right. Thank. We'll get you on again soon. Mike Krieger from Jack's Outdoor Gear. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Chad Lachance is going to teach us how to pick out a boat. And you might think it's too early in the year, but it's not. All that and more on Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us is one of our probably longest tenured contributors to this show. He covers fishing, hunting, cooking, and just everything outdoors. Uh, Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning from Denver, Terry. Hey, I know you're at a boat event. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But I was just thinking, you know, we got to get through this COVID stuff so I can get back in the studio so guys like you who will fill in for me can come in and I can take a Saturday off. Uh, hey, I'm down with that. You let me know. And uh, and I think pretty much everybody's ready to get rid of this COVID thing. And, you know, speaking of that, they because of the, the situation, you know, pandemic, whatever, they are not doing the traditional Denver boat show this year at the Colorado Convention Center, which people may be familiar with. But instead, all the Denver uh, Metro various boat dealers and up and down the front range have kind of got together for a semi-organized kind of uh, – time sales event let's just say across the the front range and of course crowley boats here and uh it's the pecos and 76 is uh is on that bandwagon as well they've been a denver dealership for more than 50 years and so uh they're doing that as well so dan swanson uh the little fishful thinker guide and myself are down here today and hanging out i think the big note that uh everyone needs to take away more than anything else before we get going with this terry is if you want to have a boat this summer you better buy it now because what happened last year was if you waited till March, April, May to decide you wanted to go boating, you didn't get a boat till the end of July or later uh, just from the standpoint of availability. And they're expecting the same thing this year. So if you have any intention of spending this summer on a lake somewhere and you don't already have a boat or you're thinking of upgrading, now is for sure the time to do it. Uh, and, and to that point of view, my boat's already in, in here at this point. And uh, because I was worried about that for myself included, and my boat's already here. All right. Now let's just say I am looking for a boat. I'm either a first time or I've had a boat for a while. Um, I want you to take me through, first of all, when I come into Crowley Marine, what they're going to ask me and what tips and things you can give me to what i should be looking for in a fishing boat well the first thing you're they're going to want to know is where are you going to fish because that's going to make a giant difference how much traveling are you going to do are you going to fish you know chatfield all the time or are you going to tow this thing all over the west 
or, or what the situation might be. And given that we're talking for the most part relatively newbie buyers, then I would say you're going to stay semi-local. So they're going to want to know where you're going to fish first and foremost. Second of all, they're going to want to know how many people you typically fish with. If you're a guy that's always out by yourself, well, your decision process is a little bit different than somebody that's always got a family of five in the boat. So they're going to they're gonna want to know about that, and they're going to want to know how you fish. I mean, are you a guy that loves to pull up on a spot and anchor and soak bait? Are you a troller, or are you a, you know, a guy that's going to burn down the bank and, and make a 1,000 casts a day? And so those things are all going to make a, a big difference in, in what style of boat you choose. But one thing is not going to change. They're going to recommend it here, and so am I. And I think you'll agree, whatever style of boat, whether you get a deep V or a shallow V, a fiberglass boat or a it's not relevant. What is relevant is we are at a very high elevation here in Colorado. The number on the side of that motor that says it's 150 horsepower is a sea level number. When you come here to Colorado, it's not going to make that much power because of our thin air. And uh, and therefore, everyone's going to suggest, and I think you'll agree, Terry, that you want to put very close to the max rating that the boat has on it. There'll be a Coast Guard label. If the boat is rated for 150 horsepower, my strong recommendation is that you put 150 horsepower on it. Because if you take it to, you know, seven, eight, 9,000 feet in elevation and run it, it's going to feel straight up anemic compared to what it would feel like at sea level. And that, that's why we like the power. And it's not because we necessarily want the boat to go faster. We want want the boat to plane out very easily with a lot of load with, with all your people in the wind in the waves and whatever else might happen so that you've got excess power on reserve you don't have to be a guy like me that wants to go 75 everywhere you go you just got to be you have to realize that the extra power that the big motor gives you is as much of a safety and convenience and just general overall performance thing not just a speed thing and i think you'll probably agree with me on that Oh, I definitely agree with that. I think underpowering a boat is one of the biggest mistakes people make, and especially at altitude, but anywhere you buy it. And the reason that comes up is that a lot of dealers try to get price competitive because the motors are one of the most expensive parts, if not the most expensive part, by putting smaller motors on boats and putting packages together. You get all these accessories in this great package. You think you're getting this super fishing boat, but you're right. If it's underpowered, you're going to really be frustrated with the performance and the ability not only to get from spot to spot, but get off the water if there's bad weather. Those things all come into play. So let's just say we've kind of figured out the style of boat and the motor. What, what are some of the key accessories as a fisherman I should look for? Well, I'm a control freak. You know that, Terry. And so for me, um, I've got to be able to have total control of the boat at all times. So the next most important thing on the boat after the motor and the whole design itself is for sure going to be the trolling motor uh, or the trolling motors, as the case might be. If you're a guy that's going to troll a lot, you might end up with a small kicker motor on there uh, of some sort, you know, a little 10 horse or maybe a 15 horse motor on the back as well. But almost any fishing boat's going to come with some sort of an electric motor on the front, and uh, and that is something that also is not something I want to skimp on because day in and day out, I'm going to spend more time on that trolling motor than I am on the big motor itself. And so I don't want to skimp there. Again, I want plenty of power and whatever features I'm going to get. You want to you want to try to do all of that at once. The rest of the things in the boat, the electronics, sonar units, and stuff like that, can be more cost effectively and more easily upgraded. But the, the the motors, all the control stuff on the boat, is something that needs to be dealt with when you're purchasing the boat, if at all possible. I'm a big fan of here again the most amount of pound thrust that I can get. 
Uh, that's going to be a key thing. And again, I spend more time on the trolling motor on any given day than I do the gas motor. So that's really important as well. And that'd be the next most important thing I'd look at. From there, I would look at my grass, my sonar and GPS units. Uh, I would be very honest with myself as far as how much I really intend to use those. It's one thing to get caught up in the latest and greatest thing. But, you know, Dan Swanson and I have taught for many years now sonar GPS classes on the water in our boat. And what I find is guys have $3,000 sonar units, but they don't understand even past the basic menus of them. And so if you're going to be that guy, then save your money on the sonar and buy a more basic sonar unit. Like, uh, for instance, I work with Lawrence. They do a hook unit, which is basically all preset, very simple. Then, you know, go, go that route. If you're a guy that's going to try to up your skills and really learn your game, well, then maybe spend a little bit more money on the, on the sonar units. Well, I agree on both those points. And one of the things that I've fallen in love with the last, the last few years, um, something that changed, how, especially I take my grandkids out a lot and stuff. On my trolling motor, I have spot lock or an electric anchor. Um, that one innovation that came out probably about 10 years ago, and it's been so refined, to me is one of my favorite features. Absolutely. I, I spend a ton of time, uh, when I just said earlier, joked about being a control freak. I spend a lot of time with that with that trolling motor on a GPS anchor just sitting in one spot. So convenient, and especially if you fish by yourself. Uh, you know, or as, you know, you can go to the back of the boat and the boat will sit there wherever it happens to be. You don't have to stand there and man it. So that's a really good thing to keep in mind for sure. I think another thing, just when you're choosing your boat, if you're comparing, you know, brand A and brand B and you're looking at boats, I would look really hard at the storage. I can't stand a cluttered boat deck. I don't like a lot of stuff all over the boat deck. I'm a, I'm a rod junkie. I want to have 10 rods on the deck. I don't want to have anything else out there. So I'm a big fan of really studying the storage. Will this fit for my needs? Uh, You know, things like that. And then the last technical thing I would look at in a boat that's fairly major around here is the batteries. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but, you know, my my Ranger boat's got four big old batteries. And and this year I upgraded all the way to lithium-ion batteries because they weigh very, very, very minute amount compared to a lead-acid battery. Yes, it's an expensive package, but they last forever Question. and uh, a lot more power and all that. So uh, another thing to keep in mind is the batteries, how much work you tend to put into them. Do I need to, do I need to be able to, to fill them or can I, you know, can I use steel batteries because they're hard to get to, things like that? Because the batteries are not cheap. That's, that's another expensive part of the boat. Uh, we just had a question from a listener that wants to know if you've ever looked at the solar panel chargers for trolling motors. Yes, I have extensively, and they don't produce enough amp hours to, uh, or enough power in general to, um, not amp hours, it's not the correct term, but they don't produce enough amperage to charge a deep cycle battery enough to really matter. So they might get you an extra hour out of your batteries, but they will not produce enough power over the course of a day to keep the trolling motor batteries charged. The deep cycle batteries require more amperage than what those cells uh, will produce. Now, the last thing I'm going to ask, and then we got to run, is have you seen any particular models that just jumped out yet, either for a beginning fishing boat or maybe a decked-out one down there at Crowley's? Well, i got a decked-out one with my name all over it sitting here that I happen to love, Terry. It's a Z521L. 
but no, jokes aside, this is a very high-level fishing boat, obviously, with the Ranger boats. But they've got everything from the from the deep B lungs to the shallow, you know, modified B traditional bass style lungs or, or bass style boats, which are relatively new for the lungs. Those things have been really popular since I've been down here. Guys have been looking at them a bunch, and then of course the Riatas. I mean, the Ranger makes a boat series called Riata. It's basically a fishing boat with a family spin on it. It's the most popular boats the Ranger produces um, by a large margin, and they're a very, very popular boat sold through Cry Marine here. If you're a guy that's got a family or you've got a wife who wants to go occasionally, but you still want to fish, you still want to store out your tackle below deck, the Riata series is hard to beat. I'm going to make one more comment, even though we're eating up time here, and that is that if you're looking for a fishing boat, don't go somewhere that makes a ski boat or a cruising boat and puts a trolling motor on the front of it and tells you it's a fishing boat. You will get so frustrated it will sit in the driveway. Better off, like you said, with the Riata to buy a fishing boat that has family amenities than a other boat they try to make a fishing boat. Chad, last thing, how long will you and Dan be down at Crawley Marine? Well, we'll be down here for a few hours today and a few hours tomorrow. I've got my ranger dog here with me as well, and he's in charge of enthusiasm. Uh, we don't have really a set schedule because of the Rona and everything going on. There's not a big giant to-do going on here, to be honest, but the sales events are going on, and it's just a time to buy right now. So we're all here to answer questions more than anything else. All right, my friend, we will let you go. We'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Thanks very much, Terry. You guys have a great day. You had Chad LaChance. That was a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Take it to the limit. That's what we love. We love the Eagles on the show. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear couple things I want to remind you folks of. We've had a lot of wind and changing conditions. If you're going ice fishing, especially on the lower elevation lakes, use extreme caution. Take a spud bar check. I've heard places like St. Berain, a lot of the ice is totally blowing off, and they're actually open water fishing. That could change daily. If you're looking for an easy place to fly fish, try the tailwaters down in Pueblo. They are fantastic. Um, if if you like the information you hear on the show, we're on every week from 9 to 11, every Saturday from 9 to 11. And a lot of the information ends up on our Facebook page, at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And a lot of the fishing techniques and, and answers and information we give you, you can find on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. So follow us on both of those, you know, give us your comments. But before we leave, I want to go... I think we have another guest in studio who's getting ready to start his own show. Is Dan Jacobs sitting there? I'm here, Terry. Uh, you know, I was gonna, I was all set to talk to you about the new GM for the Broncos and the NFL playoffs, and then I saw a Facebook post where you're doing Brazilian barbecue, and I thought, the heck with that. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know, I do a lot of barbecue, and I'm just getting a little bored, you know, because you smoke things and this <laughs> and that. And actually, I think you would like this, Terry, because... This is something you do outdoors. It's over an open flame. Um, but I love, you know, you go to those Bra Brazilian steakhouses, although, of course, now they're ridiculously expensive. Like, they're more expensive now than they are to go to, like, Elway's. Um, but, you know, you, you do this over, like, your Weber kettle, and it's a rotisserie, and uh, you put it on a spit, and it uh, roasts. And um, you probably do this with fish, right? Like, have you ever you, you uh, dry brine with, like, salt and stuff? 
Um, well, I do. A, yeah, I do a lot of. I do a lot of. Uh, a lot of outdoor. I bet you. Eight, I cook about eighty percent of our dinners, and about seventy-five percent of those are cooked on my my grills. And I love outdoor cooking. Uh, the Brazilian cooking, they tend to use a cut of meat that's not very popular in the U.S. Tell us about that, and where did you find it? Yeah, so it's called picana, um, and you, you, I don't know of any place right now. I'm searching for it uh, that you can find it here. Uh, it's, you know, top sirloin cap. Um, so I had to order it specially, and I got the sir, uh, USDA Prime cut, so it looks fantastic the marbling so for those of you that aren't you know foodies there's three cuts of meat in the united states there's uh select choice and then usda prime which is what the steakhouses serve and you're getting those are more and more common in the grocery stores now you can get usda prime off the shelf where you know in the old days you couldn't um so prime is the highest you can get except for of course now wagyu right wagyu's which is you know ridiculously expensive um so i ordered this special and uh, I'm going to cook it up. Um, you know, you've never had it unless you've been to, like, a Brazilian steakhouse. But uh, to me, that's the favorite cut I get when I go to, like, Reduzio Grill or Fogo de Chao. And uh, so I said, hey, I'm going to try it. And uh, it's dry brining right now in my uh, refrigerator. And when I go home, I'm going to put it on the spit, and it's going uh, to slow uh, roast on the, on the open flame. Now, you kind of cut out on me for a minute, but one thing I want to ask, I do a lot of, I cook a lot of meat, and I know you do a lot of smoking and slow cooking. I do a lot of, like, steaks and tri-tips, and I tend to cook them fairly quickly at high heat, and then I, like you, I season them ahead of time. Um, This cut of meat for the Brazil barbecue is a cut that incorporates some tender cuts, but it also incorporates some tougher cuts. It's a combination of cuts that's cut into different pieces in the U.S. Do you have to cook it fairly slow to get that tenderness? Uh, yeah, no. So this this cut is uh, called the top sirloin cap. Um, now, what I did is I I'm dry brining it, so which is uh, a, a method where you 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 salt it, and overnight the salt absorbs into the meat, and uh, it makes it even more tender. Uh, so I've never done that before, so I'm kind of excited about that to see how that comes out. But then, no, you just uh, you'll cook it. Uh, it. It's a slow cook over over an open flame, um, but people do cook this like steaks as well, and I've heard that's phenomenal. But that's not what I'm doing tonight. All right, well we'll have to hear how it comes out now. Uh, real Bronco's quick, Terry. General- r- real quick, yeah. uh, I do want to apologize to our good buddy Austin Parr. Now I am, of course, the uh, reigning trivia champion of this show but when i got off the air yesterday i was talking to kb and i uh said i gotta go see and i meant to say austin parr at discount tackle over on santa fe and i said nate Zelinsky by mistake so uh austin parr i need to come see you all right yeah it's about time to go pick that up hey one question before i close out the show i only got a couple seconds the new gm for the broncos yay or nay how you feeling well, it's it's a good and bad situation. It's good that they have somebody competent in there to find players and personnel. They haven't had that in a while. Uh, it's bad that they signed him up for six years uh, because you know there's going to be a new regime in you know eighteen months to two years that will now be hamstrung by that contract. All right, I'm sure you're going to talk a lot about that and about the playoffs coming up. We will uh, let you go so I can close out and you can get to that. All right, we'll uh, 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 trail out with some Beatles. All right. No. So anyway, you're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors. We are going to close it out. Join us every Saturday morning from 9 to 11. If you love the outdoors, you're going to help you enjoy it. 
Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and go to our YouTube channel with lots of fishing. A lot of it filmed right here. We go all over uh, from the Arctic Circle to the equator, but a lot of it was filmed right here. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Karen. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Dan Jacobs.